Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Prince and Noah Woolahan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, including some that ran only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. Here, kitty, kitty. I say here, kitty, kitty. I am never going to financially recover from this. (laughs) That would have been a good one. Uh, I didn't want to misquote him, so I was like... I don't think he ever actually says that bitch Carol Baskin killed her husband. No, I don't think he, I don't think he does. Um, yeah, it's Tiger King. We're doing Tiger King. Yeah, welcome to Tiger King, guys. Uh, we're like everyone else, quarantined. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we actually watched a show while it was in the cultural zeitgeist, which never happened. Yeah, this is a new experience for us. So uh, yeah. Uh, for those of you who have lived under an actual rock, mm-hmm. uh, Tiger King is a 2020 Netflix series. It is a docuseries that ran seven episodes and one special. Yes. It's kind of a reunion special. Yeah. So it, it ran one season, yes. but it was a limited run. So it's not like it got canceled. There was never meant to be more. Yeah. It's not... And uh, it was a documentary that was done over years. Yeah. Five years, I believe they said. So it covers multiple marriages for Joe Exotic. Yes. And uh, now he's in jail. Yes. So we're going to break down all the things that happened. The way, way I keep describing this, if you have not seen it, is it is a train wreck you can't look away from. And then out of nowhere, another train just comes and hits it. And every time you're like, that, that has to be the last train. And then coming down the station is yet another train to crash into this. I kind of had this thought of, um, it feels very much like quarantine itself has felt. Yeah. Um, it is one, like, at the beginning of Tiger King, it's very funny and very ridiculous. And you're just like, this is happening. Cool. Whatever. Right. And it just gets darker and sadder and weirder. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel like quarantine has been. Yeah. Like, it was kind of funny at first, and we we didn't take it very seriously. Like, we took it seriously in that we quarantined ourselves. Yeah. But we were making a lot of jokes about quarantining ourselves. We were lip-syncing to country songs. Like, you know, just in our having fun. And now it's a little bit sadder. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so this is a wild, wild show. Yeah, so basically the way it's it's structured is basically they explain a crazy thing to you. And then at the end, they tease a crazier thing. And that's how the next episode starts. Now, I think one thing that's important is, uh, have you ever looked up the definition of documentary? No. This is something that uh, I came across recently. I I think it was a game theory thing that I was uh, watching. But nowhere in the definition of a documentary, whether it be Webster's or how it is classified in, like, the eyes of film, Mm -hmm. does it state that your documentary has to be truthful? So misleading information is not ethically or punishable in any way. Right. So that's why, you know, propaganda pieces that are just document, that are labeled documentaries can come out with like shoddy facts and, you know, blatant lies. So it should be noted that you need to approach this thinking that you are not getting the whole story. You are getting the story that the documentarian wants to tell you. Right. So this is by far not everything, and things have been exaggerated for dramatic effect. Right. And uh, even watching it, you can kind of see some of the holes. Yes. 
And there's also quite a few mysteries. And mm-hmm. I think we're going to go through each mystery and kind of break down where we think, where, where we come up on it. Yeah, so the first episode is really just an introduction into this world. Yes. Uh, we meet Joe Exotic. Yes. Who is, uh, he's, he reminds me of Joe Dirt. Yes. Mixed with RuPaul's Drag Race. That is a, an accurate description of Mr. Exotic. Because he is a, they say in the first episode, he is a gun-toting, gay, drug-addicted, uh, big cat owner. Yes. Just kind of, he is a larger-than-life personality. He is all personality. He owns a zoo, and mm. he is a bigger character than the tigers in the merch. Yes. We see the gift shop, and he has his face on underwear, mm-hmm. and it's a lot to take yes. in. He's he has a he's, country music career. Yeah, he is selling himself more than the tigers. Like, he in his park, is in his mind, it is not a tiger park. It is the Joe Exotic experience that happens to have tigers. Yeah, he um, he had originally named the GW Zoo after uh, the Gerald Wayne Exotic Animal Memorial Park for his brother. Hmm. And then later called it the Greater Windward Exotic Animal Park. And it's mostly called the GW Zoo through the yes. entire series. Now, I want to point this out. Mm-hmm. The, the opening to this, there we're going to be introduced to the three main tiger owners, Mm -hmm. and a few other, like, sporadic tiger owners that we don't see as often. Right. But one of the first things they try to tell you is, man, tiger owners are weird. Yes. But they're not like those monkey people. Like, that is, like, the opening. It's just like, look, before we get started, I know you're about to see some weird stuff. It's not as bad as the monkey people. Yeah. They're out of their minds. Which I guess is like the only uh, mm-hmm. sequel hook you can really think of here. Is like eventually someone has to make the monkey people. Yes, the monkey king. Um, because uh, people who own exotic primates as pets, they are, they are a strange animal to have as a pet because people don't realize how dangerous they are. Yes, they're very scary. Like a tiger. Yeah, that tiger can rip my face off. Mm-hmm. I know that looking at the tiger. I am not necessarily going to think that the cute chimpanzee has that kind of strength, but it does. Yeah, it also has the power to plot, <laughs> which is what makes it so scary. Because, well, I want to bring this up to you. Uh, we went to the zoo Yes. Uh, a while ago, and they had a tiger. And the tiger came right up to the cage. To the glass, yeah. And we were just like, cool, tiger. And the tiger was like roaring and being like, look at me, I'm beautiful. And it was really cool. Mm -hmm. We also went and saw the gorillas. Yes. And when we went and saw the gorillas, one of the glass windows had been shattered. Right. And we asked a zookeeper... Well, what happened here? And they're like, oh, Mondo. I don't know. The the name of the gorilla has been changed for to protect the innocent. And because it was several years ago, you don't remember it. Not important. Mondo <laughs> uh, found out that if you take a tiny rock and slide it in between the uh, slits of the glass, you can shatter it. And I was like, oh, well, that's terrifying. And like while I'm having that thought, One of the gorillas had a baby, if Mm -hmm. you remember. And she was just kind of sitting against the glass holding the baby. Mm -hmm. And all these people were around trying desperately to, like, see the baby gorilla. And at one point, she just picked it up and, like, shook it. And then put it back down. And I was like, she was trying to get us to go away. That was a, here it is, you got what you want, now bounce. And seeing that intelligence... In in these giant gorillas, it was like, oh, we should be careful around these intelligent beings. Let's go back to the tiger. The tiger was cool. I I believe that was also the best day of my life, wasn't it? That was the day of the otter. I mean, okay. <laughs> uh, we walked up to the otter enclosure, and I was just watching him swim. And an otter swims up to the glass and puts his little otter hand on the glass where I'm standing. 
And I put my hand up, and then I cried. We got married once. Okay. The otter <laughs> approached me and put his little otter hand on the glass. This is not your time to argue why the otter was better. <laughs> Let's get back to Tiger King. But, but that otter was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to donate some money to that otter. Spe- just to him? Yeah, you can sponsor specific animals at that gym. So, we then meet... <laughs> uh, Doc, I believe, is the next person we meet. Um, no, we actually... Uh, the next person we meet is, in fact, Carol Baskin. Yes. Because we we hear about Carol through Joe's eyes first. Yes. Because Joe Exotic hates Carol Baskin. Hates her. Uh, Carol Baskin runs a big cat rescue. And she is against cat breeding, and Joe Exotic likes cat breeding. Mm-hmm. And so she is his antagonist. Yeah. She wants to shut his zoo down. She wants to shut his business down. Mm-hmm. And she runs what she considers a reputable big cat rescue. Yes. And there is some creative editing here where, like, they only show the tiniest cages that she has. Mm-hmm. Which we find out... Through, like, research that you did, uh, that that was for, like, sick tigers. Yeah, uh, the tiny, tiny tiger cage that they showed Mm -hmm. was actually uh, when a tiger needed to see a vet, they uh, tranquilized the tiger because you don't want him eating the vet. Yeah. But you can't have just, like, a tranquilized tiger hanging around because he could get hurt or other tigers could get mad at him. So uh, they kind of put him in, like isolation mm-hmm. so that he is safe yes and that was the one we saw mm-hmm. but like, there are other cages there. that tiger does not live in that little cage because mm-hmm. that cage is like smaller than the goat pen at a given petting zoo yeah it was very small but it's really only meant to hold one not really conscious tiger yeah so uh, we also meet doc antle yes he is the founder of the Institute for Greatly Endangered and Rare Species in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, mm-hmm. or Tigers. And uh, Joe idolizes Doc, Doc Antle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he looks like Mugatu from Zoolander. And he is known for being the, uh, he had the snake in the Britney Spears Slave for You uh, MTV Music Awards video. <laughs> Great fact. <laughs> Britney Spears snake wrangler, Doc. <laughs> uh, Doc Yantel actually has done a lot of animal training for Scream. Yeah? Yes. That that one is just funny. Mm-hmm. But he is a lot of Scream credits under his belt for this exact kind of thing. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, I mean, I, I get, like, that is another way to make money with these animals that we yeah, kind of don't really go into. Yeah, he did, um, you know, Mighty Joe Young, and he did uh, Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. Oh, that makes sense. He doesn't do a lot. Like, it's not his main thing. Mm-hmm. He was mostly well-known for it in the 90s. Interesting. Um, yeah, I think the biggest credit you would know him from is Ace Ventura when Nature Calls. Cool. So, uh, he seems to be this, like, in episode one, Mm-hmm. He kind of comes in as this kind of like medium between Carol Baskins and Joe Exotic. He feels legitimate. Yes, he feels very legitimate. Everything in Doc Zoo looks nicer than anything they show in the other two zoos. Yeah, like Carol is presented as kind of a crunchy hippie. Mm-hmm. Joe Exotic is portrayed as kind of, you know, ramshackle and... Uh, piece together. Everything in Doc Antle's zoo is very glossy and very nice. Um, well, it looks... I, I, I need to bring this up now because it literally just happened again. Throughout this entire series, I need to be reminded that Joe Exotic Zoo is not in Florida. 
Because it's in whole, Oklahoma. It's in Oklahoma. There's tigers in Oklahoma. Like the wind comes sweeping down. Every like every episode, there's a moment where I go, "Oh, this isn't in Florida." <laughs> well, eventually, some of it is. So yeah, there is a twist there where we get some of Florida, but. The whole time, I was just like, oh, okay, because I get it, because it's tropical, because it's flat. No, they're in Oklahoma. And so, like, the first episode is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. We meet a couple of the zookeepers. We don't spend a lot of time with them. Um, yes. We meet Saf. Yes. Who is just, like, this very chill dude who is, you know, mm-hmm. zookeeping. Uh, we meet John Finley, who is Joe's husband. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who we called Budget Batista. He is, in fact, Budget Batista. We meet Eric Coey, who is the head zookeeper, and his hairstyle is Brett Michaels. Yes. And he, he loves swearing. He reminds me of Zoot from the Muppets, because he is always seen wearing sunglasses. This is true. And John Reinke, who does not have legs below the knee. Yeah, see, this is the the crazy this is the first like real big trick that they do to you in Tiger King is you see this guy, and they don't mention the fact that he does not have legs. But we as the viewer kind of catch it. And we're like, I don't think he has legs. And then you feel real good about yourself for being observant. And you're like, ha, I caught that he doesn't have any legs. I'm real good at picking up on stuff. And then the next episode's going to screw that up. I need to undermine my co-host just a little. Hmm? You know, you're acting like noticing he doesn't have legs is like an accomplishment. He has brightly colored evil clown painted prosthetic legs. I know, but like they don't go out of their way to point it out to you. They don't have to. I I know, but the point I'm saying is you are watching this kind of trying to figure out what's going on. They don't put a spotlight on it, but you kind of notice it. So you're like, oh... This is going to come up later. Yes. That's all you're, as a viewer, is doing. Yeah. This is one of the brilliant things Tiger King does. And I turned to you when we noticed this and went, he didn't lose it to the tigers. Yeah. So it's a a small moment in Tiger King that makes everyone in the room kind of stop and question. Like, I wonder what happened here. And it's a reason to keep watching. Because you know it's going to get explained immediately. Or eventually, excuse me. Uh, But it doesn't happen in this episode. So just keep that in mind, folks. So we get a little more into the zoos in the second episode. Yes. We see more of Carol Baskin's um, big cat rescue. She loves flower crowns and she dresses entirely in cat prints. Yes. Um, I just realized I am out of bobby pins and I am doing this. You're wearing cat ears currently. I am wearing a cat headband uh, currently because I don't have any bobby pins and like everyone else in quarantine i need a haircut so i just i caught a glimpse of myself in the window and went oof hey are you cool cats and kittens carol here so she is presenting herself as being very um white witch yeah very glinda yeah like I, i was thinking of like your classic white witch friend to all animals like she wants you to be able to envision her going into the forest and petting a unicorn. Yes, because it's big cat rescue. Like, they are rescuing these cats. Mm-hmm. And it kind of implies, I don't think this is ever directly said, that, like, one of the people they need to rescue cats from is Joe Exotic. Right. Because the way Joe Exotic keeps his cats is so horrible. But then when they show Joe Exotic's cats, they all seem happy and they're in bigger cages than Carol. And uh, this was another misleading editing thing because they show a line of people waiting to get into Big Cat Rescue to kind of show that she also has paying customers and she's not better than Joe. Right. Uh, That's one of like a few days a year she allows visitors in. Really? So Um, it's not a zoo? No. um, Interesting. It's more of a fundraiser. Oh. It's, um, they let people in to... Uh, look at the cats and whatever. And it's kind of how they finance the zoo. This is not uncommon. Uh, I was, for a friend's birthday, I'm planning to take her to a wolf rescue. Right. 
um, in our state that does something similar, but you have to make an appointment. It's only like one day a month. Hmm. Uh, so it's not uncommon for legitimate animal rescues to have these kind of visiting hours and visiting days because it's a way to make money. Yeah. Uh, they are not, uh, it's not, it's never going to be the greatest thing to do to be like, humans, come look at these animals. Like, mm-hmm. it's always going to kind of suck for the animals, but doing it a few times, even like one day a month. I didn't look into how often she does them, but it's not an everyday thing. It's not, uh, it's not even an every week thing. Right. Like, what the source I found said, a couple of days a year. Mm. Uh, which is why there's such a huge line, because this was an event. This is not something that she did every Saturday, even. Meanwhile, at Joe Exotic's zoo, um, now we talked about how we noticed how John didn't have legs. Mm-hmm. We did not notice that Saf was missing an arm. That's the trick! Like, they don't show you that staff is missing an arm. Like, but they trick you by having you look at this guy's legs and being like, ah, oh, his legs are gone. I'm really observant because I picked up on... No arm! We talked to this person a bunch of times. How did I not see this? And um, we, we, because the documentary has been following Joe around and Joe has been also doing footage for a reality show, we have footage of the day Saf loses his arm. Yes. We watch Joe Exotic go into the gift shop and offer like... Ladies and gentlemen, before you hear it on the news, I'm going to tell you myself. About an hour ago, we had an incident where one of the employees stuck their arm through the cage and a tiger tore her arm off. I can give you your money back or I can give you a rain check. Okay, so two, two quick things I want to point out here. Yes. One, it's insane to me that Joe Exotic goes in and doesn't just simply say, we've had an injury, we cannot have uh, guests today. Because he offers like a refund or like a rain check. Yeah. But he actually says an employee lost their arm or stuck their arm into a cage and a tiger tore it off, I believe is what is said. Staff also uh, unfortunately gets misgendered a lot in as a result of this. I am almost positive Joe Exotic uses the wrong pronouns when he makes this announcement. Oh, absolutely does. Because, like, in watching this, I-, I remember thinking Staff was a woman. And then finding out that Staff was upset that he was getting misgendered. And I was like, I wonder why I made that assumption. And I think it's because Joe Exotic uses the wrong pronouns. Um, so the documentary also uh, uses Saf's full name, mm-hmm. which is Kelsey Safari. Okay. So the documentary presents Saf as female. Okay. Um, I didn't know until I was researching for the show mm-hmm. uh, that Saf identifies as male. Right. So I... Did research because I remember, like, the, in your research, you say that staff uh, was upset that uh, he was constantly getting misgendered, and I remember trying to think, like, did the documentary do anything to kind of convey that information? Not only do I think the documentary didn't do that, I think they did it incorrectly. <laughs> like, I think they did the opposite of provide correct information. Yeah, staff is not ever presented as male. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um. The only time Saf is presented as male is in the reunion special. Yes. When Saf is actually able to speak for himself. Yes. Which we will talk about as well. Yes. Um, then we also meet, uh, we also go to Doc Antle's farm a little bit and we meet, um, we meet the drug lord, Mario DeBrow. Yes. Like, because Joe kind of like brings him up on a whim. Like, there's that drug lord who owns big cats. You know that drug lord? And then, next thing you know, the documentary is just there with him. He's like, yes, these are my cats. I am a drug lord. Yeah. I disposed of a body with a circular saw. Which is a thing he admits to on camera. Kind of not. He didn't do it himself, but he was there. He was there. And he's- uh, crazier partner than me says, let's just cut up and burn him. So we burned them. 
You know, I really didn't even do most of the stuff, but I, I carry the stigma of it. What am I, what, what am I going to tell the feds now? Like, very cavalier. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting because even in my notes at this point, I do have Saf gendered as female. Yeah. Uh, because in my notes, I don't know yet. Um, yeah, and that, that's just another point I want to bring up of, yeah. like, the documentary not doing a great job of presenting facts, but presenting entertainment. So, uh, we do hear about Saf's injury and the aftermath of Saf's injury. Saf loses his arm. Mm -hmm. and returns to work five days later. Yeah. Instead of getting rehabilitative surgery, he opts to amputate the arm and get back to work. Yeah, he's like, just take it. Like, th how cavalier this dude is about losing an arm. Yeah. And I mean this in the nicest way, is like a dog. Where, like, when a dog loses an arm and it just wakes up and goes, ah, I got three now. Yeah. And, th and that is the only thing that they realize. Like... The fact that Staff loses an arm doesn't seem to bother him and certainly does not slow him down. Yeah. Like, he's just like, oh, well, this sucks. Um, no, he doesn't even say it sucks. He's just kind of like, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, I have a job with tigers. It was bound to happen. And Joe Exotic very much blames Staff for his own accident. Yes. Um, doesn't blame... The Tigers doesn't blame just misfortune. It's Saf's fault he reached into the cage. And, and this is when he says, I'm never going to financially recover from this, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So, like, the fact that they have footage of one of his employees having been mauled by a tiger being taken out in an, in an ambulance and him going, what am I going to do? He also pulls on an EMS jacket. Because it has to still be about him. It has to be about him. It's insane. And this is something we're going to see a lot of with Joe Exotic is uh, he is extremely narcissistic. Everything needs to revolve around him. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we go to Doc Antle. And uh, there is a montage of everyone trying to figure out how many wives and girlfriends Doc Antle has. Yes. Um, no one knows for sure. Someone's answer is, eh, who the F cares? Because I, I want to bring this up real quick. Uh, by the end of the ep first episode, I remember thinking, I think I'm on Team Doc. Because yes. I think Doc's the best out of the three. I wonder how that'll change going forward. After the moments that we were about to describe, I realized, oh, I'm not going to be on any of these people's teams. <laughs> They're all terrible. Yeah, so he... Um... He sort of runs an internship program. Yes. Uh, I don't want to call it that. Yeah, um, call it a cult because that's what it is. Well, I think he refers to it as something legitimate like a job program or an internship program. Mm -hmm. And he attracts a lot of young women who are fond of animals. And there is significant sexual grooming. Yes. Uh, we do have one young woman who has escaped. Mm -hmm. uh, and she kind of interviews about what's really going on, how, like, they're given different names. Yes. Um, which is a common human trafficking thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a common cult thing, too, because it's stripping you of your identity and then giving you a new one. Yeah. That, like, forces you to assume what this person should be. Yeah. Like, here um, you are, Tahani. You are obedient to me. And you are, uh, you know... Watching The Good Place a watch, lot. Yeah, watching The Good Place. I'm sorry. I <laughs> that's why I said to honey. Um, yeah, and it's a very common thing for sex workers to do for their own security as well. Yeah. Um, the joke is that there's statistically... There's a statistically improbable amount of sex workers named Amber. Mm -hmm. um, food names, season names. Right. So... She talks about, like, having an alternate name, and they're all kind of exotic-sounding names. Yeah. Of no clear origin. Yes. Like, there isn't a clear naming construct. Yeah, it's just something that sounds kind of, like, exotic to fit with the tiger theming of Doc's place. And there is one woman mm -hmm. who, every time we see her, is dressed as a tiger. Yes. She's in a leotard 
that with a like a Power Girl boob window with like uh, makeup that makes her look like a tiger. And it's explained that Doc chooses what they wear. Mm-hmm. So like the fact that you're like, you're going to be the girl who's always going to be a tiger is insane. Yeah, you're going to be the one who looks like you're in a bad production of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats. Yes, that's your life now. Yeah. Yes. You shall be Rum Tum Tugger. Uh, remember when we watched Cats? Uh, yeah, so, I actually, I, I had to watch some of it for a research project today, and now I have all the songs stuck in my head. That'll that'll happen. So it turns out that Doc, who I was like, oh, he's doing it right. He turns out he's a cult leader. Yeah. Uh, I believe this is also the episode where Doc talks about how expensive it is to feed a tiger. Yes. And then they cut to Joe Exotic and he's like, oh, I can feed a tiger for five grand. Yeah. And it turns out that he buys expired meat from Walmart Mm -hmm. and just feeds it to them. Yeah. But. This is also how his employees eat. Yeah. They kind of pick, um. The employees pick the best meat or the highest quality meat and take it Mm -hmm. Uh, because it's meat that's about to expire or has just expired. Yeah, because like there's a moment where they get on the truck and they're like, yo, this is still frozen. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's worrisome. And what they're trying to do is build this comparison of like how each of the zoos or Big Cat Rescue as well. Uh, pay their employees. Docs is a cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Exotic takes in criminals that like have nowhere else to go. I don't believe they really pay. I don't. I forget what he says. He pays them. I don't think he does. I think he just gives them room and board and no, food. It, uh, is this Joe? Joe. Uh, he gives them like a pittance, like a hundred dollars a week. A hundred dollars a week. A hundred dollars is also what Doc was paying. Mm-hmm. His uh, uh, cult members. It's $100 a week. His cult members, to be entirely fair, are also given better living conditions. That is true. Because they need to be a certain level of presentable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the living conditions of Joe's employees, and they are deplorable. Yes. Uh, Doc's employees are also expected to be working from the time they wake up till the time they go to sleep. Yes. And no days off. No days no off. No ability to leave, really, to go to family yeah. functions or anything. Yeah. No holidays. And then when they cut to Carol, it's all volunteer. But there's this also, like, weird hierarchy. Yes. Where it's like, if you volunteer for five years, then you can get the gold shirt. Yes. And it's like, ooh, so you're being tricked into five years of free labor to then become a better laborer for free. <laughs> Yeah, it's this hierarchical um, hierarchical system. And she admits that below a certain rank, she has no idea who they are. Yes. Um, that being said, we don't hear a lot about the demand she puts on them. Yeah. So these could be um, weekend warriors who are, you know, there a couple days a week or one semester or... Yeah, it's one of those things where like... We don't hear a lot about this part. So they kind of, again, try to make Carol as bad as everyone else. Yeah. And, like, while it should be paid work, because they're putting in work, if you have a group of people that are willing to do it for free, for the price of a t-shirt, I would be lying if I wouldn't take advantage of that fact. Like, if I had a company and all these people were like, can I just help? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a wildlife rescue that I wanted to volunteer at this summer. Exactly. Uh, for the low, low price of a t-shirt and the possibility of petting a raccoon. Yes. And that's what these people are working for. The possibility of petting a tiger and a t-shirt. So I kind of get it. Yeah, like I get it. But they try to kind of frame it like it's just as bad as the guy with all the sex slaves. Yeah. <laughs> we also meet uh, Joe's husband's. Yeah, it turns out another one shows up. Yeah, we meet. We met John Finley before. Yes, and we also now meet Travis Maldonado, who is very, very young. Yes, and identifies as heterosexual. Yes, until 
Joe Exotic literally does a Ron White bit at him. Yes! You watch porn? He says, yeah. I said, well, do you enjoy the guy with the little one doing her, or do you enjoy watching the guy with the big one doing her? And he says, well, obviously you want to watch the guy with the big one. I said, well, you ain't that straight. I'm like, all right, do you like porn? He goes, yeah, I love porn, you know that. I'm like, oh, do you only watch scenes with two women together? He goes, no, I watch a man and a woman making love. I'm like, oh, do you like the guy to have a small, half-flaccid penis? He goes, no, I like big, hard, throbbing cock. Now, uh, speaking of comedians, I believe this is an Adam Ferrero bit or a Greg Gerardo. He claimed that the greatest love story ever told is Siegfried and Roy. I, di I didn't even used to believe in, si in, in soulmates, the whole concept of soulmates. I never believed in soulmates until I saw Siegfried and Roy. Because <laughs> there you got a gay lion tamer who hooked up with another gay lion tamer. What are the odds of that happening? Talk about holding out for Mr. Right. That seems like a pretty beautiful story. People say they can't find someone who shares their interests. Two German dudes play with tigers in the middle of the desert. That doesn't seem vaguely biblical to anybody else. And then Joe Exotic's got two husbands. Yeah, it seems less, uh... <laughs> it actually seems less, uh... Implausible than you would think. Yeah, apparently, like... <laughs> it's very common. And then we see their wedding, their thruple wedding. Yes. And I want to point this out. It's Joe in between these two men. And Joe kisses both of them, mm -hmm. but they don't kiss each other. Yeah, they're not really in a relationship with one another so much. Yes. It's it's not a triangle. It's a, I don't know, what a V or yes. a carrot. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> So it's it's a very odd situation. But like at this point I'm kinda like, eh, good for Joe Exotic he found. Like if I'm not gonna judge, it's good for his lifestyle, it's good for his lifestyle, that's great. We it's gonna take a while for all that to fall apart. Sure is. We meet Carol Baskin a little more mm -hmm. and we see like some B-roll of her riding her bicycle. Uh we get a lot of B-roll about like how Carol Baskin presents herself. Yes. Um, Th this is also meant to mirror Joe because Joe has his own TV studio that he makes these like weird videos. Yeah, and we see her social media presence as well a bit. Yeah, she kind of does the same thing is the thing that they're trying to present. The difference is Joe will threaten to put cobras in Carol's mailbox and then does it. He also flies a helicopter over her facility and the noise and chaos uh, instigate a seizure in a tiger. Yes. He also posts her address online. Yeah. Like, it's very weird and terrible. Uh, because Carol's trying to get Joe shut down because he breeds cats for profit. Mm-hmm. So we learn, we, we haven't talked at all about Carol's second husband here. Yeah, we haven't really seen much of him yet. Okay, uh, so we can save him for later? Yeah. Okay, we'll come back to Joe. To... We're going to spend a lot of time on Carol Baskin's uh, first husband. Yeah, let's go in order of husbands. Yes. Uh, the next episode is entirely about Carol Baskin's husband. Yes. Um, this is when it becomes a true crime show. Yes. Everyone else that we talked to believes that Carol Baskins killed her husband and fed him to the tigers. Yes. Uh, Carol explains that he, she met her husband because she was walking in the rain. Yes. She was out late at night walking in the rain. Um, and he was out. He had a fight with his wife. Yeah. And she, she just like, just looked too beautiful to him. And he picks her up and takes her to a hotel. Now, uh, something that needs to be addressed mm -hmm. is that's also the... She might have been a sex worker at that time. Oh, really? Yeah, she was apparently walking around in an area that was kind of a red light district. 
Oh, they don't say that, do they? No. She is extremely young when this happens. So, like, this is a crime. Hmm. Interesting. He is actually not her first husband. Oh! What? You, this is in the show. She was married before in a bad marriage. Oh, yes. I got this confused. You're right. Yeah, she was married before and was in a bad marriage and she breaks up with him for her husband, Don. Yes. And Don is very rich. Don is very wealthy. Don is very selfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Don marries Carol, he essentially disowns his previous wife and their children. Yes. Uh, he cheats repeatedly on Carol. Mm-hmm. And he is planning to divorce her. Yes. Also, they buy like 60 bobcats. Yes, they also buy a ton of cats. <laughs> because he likes bobcats. And everyone else just assumes that Carol fed her husband to the tigers. Yes. And uh, Don's ex-wife is interviewed and she says he was afraid of Carol because he would never have gone to the police and he had gone to the police to get a restraining order out on her. Right. Um, his secretary goes on the record of uh, saying that, like, someone broke in and stole all of his documents. Or Carol keyed in legally and mm. took all of his documents. So this really sets up the narrative that Carol has killed her husband and fed him to the tigers. Yes. Carol's story is, it is implied that he had some sort of other relationship in Costa Rica. Yes. And he also flies himself. He he is a pilot and owns airplanes. But he's not a licensed pilot. Uh, Yeah, but he's not a licensed pilot. Uh, So he then, uh, one day his car is found at like the airport Mm -hmm. and one of the planes is gone and they can't find it. So there's the theory that he flew away and crashed, that he flew away to Costa Rica and just started a new life, or Carol killed her and planted the van there. Yeah. Um, there, there's information that when he went to Costa Rica, he didn't fly himself. He usually flew out of Miami, I think they said. Yeah, he flew um, commercial. Yeah. So, and then there's one interview where... He's like, yeah, I talked to Don and he said something like, if I can pull this off, this is going to be amazing. Which, I don't even buy that conversation. Yeah, and the the documentary also provides pretty indisputable evidence that Don was planning to divorce Carol and leave her with nothing. Yes. So, I think the restraining order could very much be part of his gambit to leave her with nothing mm-hmm. to create the argument that she was abusive. Okay. That um, makes sense. Because his ex-wife talks about how unusual it would have been for him to get the police involved. Okay. Interesting. And if he had divorced her, he apparently had an ironclad prenup and would have left Carol with nothing. Right. Uh, but since he died, they go to the will... Which very strangely says, in the event of my disappearance, instead of in the event of my demise. Yeah, it says in the event of my death or disappearance. And very few wills have a disappearance clause. Yes. So, it's uncertain what happens here. We did watch Matt Pat's film theory about whether or not Carol Baskins had the ability to feed them to a tiger. And he basically says, no... But if he had jaguars, maybe. Yeah. It's, um... And we also found out that little bit of uh, misinformation that they try to convey, where they say it's the meat grinder. But they show a meat grinder that is new, and not the one she owned at the time of his disappearance. Yeah, the one she owned at the time of his disappearance uh, was much more akin to... Uh, one that would attach to, like, a KitchenAid. Yeah, yeah. She's causing a crank. Yeah, like a butcher boy, she says. Yes. It's one that you would see on, like, an older Food Network show. Like, Molto Mario would have had it. So, I I ask you this question. Based on what you saw, what is your guess? So, I definitely think Don is dead. Yeah. Like, I don't think he started a new life in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. because I think he would have 
divorced her legally and taken the assets. Right. Um, I don't entirely believe she killed him. But okay. I also don't entirely believe she was sorry to see him go. Okay. Um, yeah, I think they do an investigation. No one in Don's family feels it was investigated enough. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something I learned in... Jeff Lowe did an AMA today. Okay. Um, the people from... The directors of the documentary... Approached several people saying this was an expose on Carol Baskin. Really? That's why they all talk about Carol Baskin all the time. Oh, interesting. Carol Baskin was told it was essentially blackfish for big cats. Okay, that makes sense. So that explains a lot of what we get and explains why we have spent so much time speculating on Carol Baskin. And why we spend so much time on Joe Exotic's hatred of Carol Baskin. Hmm. Uh, I feel the need to talk about the um, the imperfect victim. Yes. Because this is when we kind of start seeing this. First, Don, her uh, second husband, is an imperfect victim. He's a horrible person. Mm-hmm. He is averse of cell block tango. Yeah, th- they definitely make sure if he is dead, you don't necessarily feel bad about yeah, he is averse in cell block tango. Yeah, he had to come. So they create this like she murdered him. the The narrative the documentary constructs is that she murdered him, mm-hmm. and but maybe he deserved it. Carol herself is an imperfect victim because the narrative of the documentary makes her massively unlikable. Mm-hmm. She is indisputably the victim in a lot of what happens over the course of this. But she is unable to garner audience sympathy because she is not a palatable victim. Yeah. Uh, an audience is likely to see things more in black and white. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because she kind of presents herself as this, I keep saying white witch because of the flower crowns, this like hippy-dippy, sweet older lady. Right. And they edit her a lot to sound really flippant about her husband's death and really flippant about Joe Exotic. And so she is edited in such a way that she is incredibly unlikable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly believe that if I had to guess, I think anything is possible. Like there's like, if it turned out tomorrow that the news breaks that Carol Baskin's being arrested for the murder of, Don, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, that that tracks. If Don shows up tomorrow, like I'm back, yeah, I would totally believe that. I think he was skipping town. I honestly do. And the thing about it that like really like tips it is the only real thing you get to see about Don that is factual is the footage you have of him. Yes, and all the footage you have of him, he legitimately loves the Bobcats. Yeah. So I could totally see him being like, I'm going to skip town uh, and I'm going to change my will to say disappearance instead of death. Because if it says death, it's going to be in court forever. But if I'm just gone, that's fine. Because the one thing that never really made sense to me was, yes, it is very strange that it says disappearance. That's not something Carol Baskins can just white out and change. Yeah. Like, he had to be there to make it say that. Yeah. Um, it's it's very interesting. Joe also has a theory that Carol buries him under the septic tank. Oh, yeah. There's talk of the septic tank as well. So, and uh, Don's secretary uh, cooperates fully with police because she was considered a prime suspect as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is one of very few people the documentary portrays as Wholly sympathetic and good. Yes. The Anne, only lawful good character. There's a few, uh, but very few. Yeah. Anne McQueen is presented as one of those people. Mm-hmm. She was extremely loyal to her boss to the point where the narrative kind of sounds like she was in love with her boss. Yeah. And I think we, you know, we just saw what Joe Exotic was doing and what Doc is doing. 
Like there's not a sex cult going on in, in Big Cat Rescue, but we assume if it's in the other two places. Well, and it's also, since she was never actually romantically involved with him, he didn't treat her the way he treated his wives. Right. He, based on the narrative we see, treats his wives very poorly. He was probably very kind to his executive assistant who had all of his financial records and yes. probably actually had more leverage on him than a wife. Mm -hmm. And also he never had to like deal with her not doing the dishes or something. Like, <laughs> um, Well, I mean, it's a classic trope of like the idealized relationship is always going to be better than the relationship you're in day to day. Right. Because your fantasy significant other never doesn't do the dishes. Mm -hmm. Never, you know, leaves the toilet seat up. All of these things are just things that don't happen in a fantasy relationship. So that might have been why they were always very kind to each other because they weren't really in a relationship. That makes sense. So there's two sets of wills. There's power of attorney. Um, the assistant thought she was the executor. And Carol produced the new documents. Mm, that is suspicious. So it's very... Uh, there's a line in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban where it says Sirius has not acted like an innocent man. Mm -hmm. Carol does not act like an innocent woman. True. But she acts so guilty that mm -hmm. I kind of can't believe she did it. Yeah. Like, she is either very guilty or very stupid. Yeah, they have a lot of, like, out-of-context footage of her that also, like... Like, she, she does say something of, like... If I were going to, you know, if somebody wanted to kill you, then they would put, like, sardine oil all over you. Something that the cat wants to eat, not something the cat wants to drool on. Because the perfume, that's all they want to do is just drool all over it. They're just like... <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh! It's a, that's a little OJ if I did it for me. Yeah, so... We also meet her current husband, Howard. Yes. They seem like they are very much in love with one another. I, I want you to imagine that Mitch McConnell has fallen into a taffy pool. Yeah. That is her husband. Yeah. He does look like a Walmart brand Mitch McConnell. A, a, like a Stretch Armstrong version of him. Like he's been just like pulled out. <laughs> he's just such a weird looking dude. And he sings to her. Yes. About how much he loves her. He sings If Ever I Would Leave You from Camelot. Yes. And then there's the photo. Yep. From their wedding. It's, and I've heard this said many times. He's dressed as a caveman wearing a leash. Yes. Why did nobody think he looked like a tiger? It's orange and striped. And she's the tiger lady. Yep. Like, why is everybody saying caveman? Yep. <laughs> Are you looking at it now? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not great. So, um, this next, this, the fourth episode is the reality show episode. We talk, we spend a lot of time with Rick Kirkham. Yes. Who is a reality producer who is trying to produce a reality show based on Joe Exotic. Because of course you would. Yeah. Like he doesn't feel like a real person. It's the golden eggs that are coming out of his ass when it comes to reality TV. And uh, Rich Kirkham, like, he seems like a good dude, but they always show him smoking. So we have been conditioned to think that he's evil. He's also wearing a black hat. And he's wearing a black hat, yeah. Uh, he is very much styled in the way that we're supposed to find him evil. Uh, he is one of the few people who... I mean, he's got a lawful good. He, to me, Rick Kirkham is true neutral. I disagree. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, he's trying to, to create this reality show. And he's actually the one who comes up with the Tiger King. Because yes. they shoot this like intro of Joe Exotic on a throne and all these tigers around it. Yes. And Joe starts acting up for the cameras. Like, anytime the camera's on, he'll scream and, like, fire people and stuff because all this attention's on him. Yes. Uh, he, Kirkham is the gasoline being thrown on Joe Exotic. Yeah, I get this. Okay. 
So, like... He instigates a lot. He instigates a whole lot, in my opinion. And uh, there's this weird issue, because he has all this footage, and Kirkham will say later that Joe wanted everything filmed. Every misdeed, horrible thing. And, like, Joe goes out and buys explosives. Yeah. He, he like, he's making death threats constantly. Uh, but... It then turns out, he then explains to Joe Exotic that uh, Joe doesn't own all the footage. Kirkham yes. does. It's his show, and Joe can't have it without him. Right. So it's just showing how important that Kirkham is. Mm-hmm. And then there's an arson attack. Yes. In the studio slash alligator house. Slash alligator house slash place where they kept a lot of evidence. Yes. So it is arguable who committed the arson. The answers are literally freaking anybody. Yeah. The people say that it's Carol Baskins. Yeah. That bitch Carol Baskins snuck in here and blew up my alligators. Uh, There's people who think Joe did it himself. Yes. To destroy evidence. Yeah. And to destroy all of Rick's footage of all of his uh, misdeeds. There's also a video of someone leaving right before the explosion that looks like it's Kirkham who does it. Yeah, and Kirkham vehemently denies it because Kirkham says, like, he lost his livelihood in that Mm -hmm. fire. Yeah, he spent years of his life there, like, creating that. But if he's there filming it, he's also kind of complicit. Right. To quote a known drug lord, I wasn't the one... Who cut him up with a circular saw. But I was there. Theming! Yeah. Tiger King does this many times. It's actually beautiful the way they pull this stuff off. So I will now ask you, who is your guess? I'm going to be honest. I think Joe Exotic did it, and I think it was an accident. That's a fun idea. Um... Because we see multiple, like, we see, um, oh, what's his first name? The head zookeeper, Eric. We see Eric filling up gas cans with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth at one point. True. And, like, Saf's interview, Saf is, like, sitting around a bunch of gas cans. So, like, no one is super into safety. Like, OSHA's not here. I I didn't catch the gas cans around uh, Saf. But I feel like the documentarian wants us to think it's Kirkham. Right. Which is why he's always shown smoking. Hmm. Like, if this was a movie, that is what you would do. Right. Uh, I think it's quite possible that it's Kirkham. Because, like, if you're Kirkham, then you're, you're sick of this to the point where you're like, it's my footage, you don't own it. Do you really, and you're trying to get out, do you really want to go to court against Joe Exotic for years so you can own this footage that of him slaughtering animals and stuff? Yeah, and like, I mean, Joe Exotic's already in court mm-hmm. with Carol and Howard Baskin for copyright infringement mm-hmm. because Joe kept stealing, like, all of their logos to imitate them. So Joe is already in a court battle at this point. And uh, I genuinely, we see everyone be very cavalier about explosives and about fire. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like, maybe not Joe Exotic, but I kind of feel like somebody does it by accident. It and then, could totally be an accident. Like, duh. <laughs> like, of course it could have been an, an accident. They're all idiots with explosives. Like, and the person we see leaving could be anybody. Yeah. That's that's. I genuinely think it's. uh, I genuinely think somebody just messed up. Makes sense. Um, Because it's very, like everyone loses too much to really. Like, if one or two things had mysteriously made it out before the fire, Mm -hmm. I could be like, "Oh, okay, this person did it." But part of me is just like. Someone just messed up. Yeah. And we do get footage of him burning stuff later. 
the Joe Exotic. Yeah, playing with explosives, playing with a flamethrower. No, I felt like legitimately like, we got to get this out of here, burn this. Yes, we do. Okay. Joe also like uh, reads Carol's diary on air. Like he managed to get a lot of her things. He, you know, blows up a mannequin of Carol. Yes. He shoots a mannequin of Carol multiple times. It, it, it is very death thready, constantly being recorded and put on the internet. And he makes music Joe videos exotic. of a blonde woman in a flower crown feeding parts of a human body to tigers. No bones, no remains, but that won't change the fact that dogs sure ain't coming back. Like, to the point where I was like, is that actually Carol Baskins? <laughs> like, I had a moment where I was like, are they working together to make this music video? No, no, that's a lookalike. What am I doing? So, uh, what we get here is that Carol and Joe have been in a very long legal battle to the point where Joe has kind of defrauded his own mother and kind of gotten her on the hook for a lot of money. Yeah. And Carol bankrupts his parents, too. Yeah. So we kind of have this weird... She has bankrupted him and his family. He is threatening to kill her on the internet pretty much constantly. And they're just obsessed with each other. They're stuck in this loop, these two. Mm -hmm. Because basically, every time Joe Exotic threatens Carol Baskin, she sues him more. Yes. And takes more of his life away. Which just feeds... His, his hatred, hatred for her. Yes. And was just like, man, if she was dead, I wouldn't be having this problem. And then Kyle's like, what? Give me more money, please. So they're in this whole, like, horrible loop where they're just, like, feeding into each other. And, like, I kind of thought this might have ended with them being like, and now they're married. <laughs> they were in love the whole time. Yeah, and when you talk about Rick possibly having committed the arson of the barn... Uh, Carol Baskin had contacted Rick for the footage, which is why I super don't think Rick did it. Right. Because Rick did stand to just be able to sell the footage and really screw Joe. Yeah, that's true as well. And so this is when we meet Jeff Lowe. Yes. Um, Jeff Lowe is 2005 era Rhett Michaels. <sighs> but he's also rich off his ass. So is Brett Michaels. All right, good, all right. So, you know, he has a young, beautiful wife named Lauren. Yes. And he is extremely wealthy. He ran, like, these things in Vegas where it was essentially a party bus where you could pet ti baby tigers. Yes. Um, and he also would have hotel room parties where you could pet baby yeah. tigers. They're swingers, uh, Lauren and... Like, a, like hardcore. Yeah. So, Jeff kind of seduces Joe into selling the zoo to him. Yeah, because he is so financially bankrupt mm -hmm. that he needs help. And he kind of comes in as like a guardian angel and is like, I'll pay for all your debts. And basically steals the park from him. Yeah, Joe thinks it's more of a figurehead situation where like Jeff Lowe's going to own the park but still going to be the Tiger King park. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's kind of how that episode ends, is with the implication that that may not be the case. Well, it's, it's weird because basically they're like, that's how Jeff stole the park. And the way he stole the park was he went up to Joe Exotic and said, I see that you're having financial problems. Let me buy the park from you. Yes. And Joe Exotic says, yeah. And then goes, hey, where's my park? Yeah. He took my park away because I sold it to him. How dare he? Yeah, I he gave me money, and In exchange. I gave him my park, and now I don't have the park anymore. Yes. Thief! And I spent the money. Yeah, he did spend the money. So now I don't have the money either. It's not fair. So, yeah, that's how episode four ends. Yes. That... The implication that Joe, uh, Jeff may not be the angel investor he thought he was yes. getting. And uh, that's going to bring us about halfway uh, through this series. There was a lot more to say than I realized on yes. this. Yeah, and we're we're about an hour in, so I think uh, this could be a, a two-parter. I, I agree. Two-parter. So we'll be back with more Tiger King next week here on the Stay Doomed Show. Don't worry, there's plenty of more trains 
to crash into this train wreck. Yeah, we're like not even done. Yeah, and this gives you plenty of time to uh, to watch this on Netflix. Yep. And if you have something to say about Tiger King or just want to talk to us, where can people reach us, Laura? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Stay Doomed. And uh, if you want to talk to me about your conspiracy theories on whether or not Don is alive or if Carol Baskin fed her to the Tigers, I'm at TV's Noah. If you want to have more conversations about documentary narrative and how certain people are constructed to be imperfect victims, I'm at Priorities. I'm interested in that as well. You can go ahead and include me on that as well. Okay, Joe Exotic. Happen to make it about you. Yeah, it's me. I've a gun. Country music. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what you sound like right now. It's definitely not Joe Exotic. No. <laughs> it's definitely a South Park character. No, it's 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 a it's a mix of uh, Dana Carvey doing George Bush. Yes. And Dana Carvey doing Ross Perot. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> So, um, if you are over Noah's bad Dana and Carby impersonation, I'm at Priorities. <laughs> Until next time, stay doomed. Look at my guns. Stop it.